This is a Founding Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of Founders of Fashion. I'm your host, Jennifer Millspaugh. I'm the CEO of Aesthetic Ventures and the Austin Fashion Initiative. On this podcast series, we dive deep into fashion entrepreneurship to explore new brands and business models. Today, we are in discussion with Lisa and Liz Sakura, the mother-daughter duo behind emerging fashion label Amberleaf. Amberleaf is a women's ready-to-wear line based here in Austin, Texas, that specializes in chic and timeless coats and blazers. Here's my conversation with Liz and Lisa. Uh, what I love about what you guys have created is that you've really created this platform for personalization and customization within your line um, around this idea of the timeless day dress and cocktail dress and, and things. Um, so first thing I want to hear about, you know, what is Amberleaf and, and what makes you guys unique? So why don't you go ahead and give me the intro yes. to your company? Oh, okay. Um, so Amberleaf, kind of like how you touched on earlier, is a mother-daughter company. So my mom and I, we co-design each silhouette that we create. Um, and then we go through all of the fabrics that we work with and we decide which fabrics would work best for this sil- specific silhouette. Um, and then what we do is um, the way it works with a customer, and we're working with somebody, they can choose the silhouette that they're interested in and then they choose the fabric that they want and then our production team creates the dress for them. You know, part of what we're trying to do is um, not mass produce, <laughs> not create excess. So each time a customer orders something, our production team is making that dress, that coat, that blazer specifically for them. And then it's delivered to them about two to three weeks later. Correct. We've got a production team that what makes us different in the, in the women's fashion space is that our team only works for us. And so it allows us to have a very, be very nimble and be very responsible to the customer's needs. Um, though we're not doing custom-made clothing, it's not bespoke. We're also not... Um, offering clothes at bespoke prices. So a woman can pick out the silhouette she likes, the color she likes, and the size that fits her best. And we can deliver it, as Liz mentioned, anywhere between um, two and four weeks. And as Liz alluded to before, part of what we're doing is um, in our strategy because we come up with silhouettes and then we've got, a, you know, four or five bolts of fabric for each silhouette that will work is not, you know, filling landfills with um, clothing that um, women don't need, don't want, or retailers cannot sell. So um, what makes us also different when we're dealing, because we do direct to the customer, but we also sell wholesale, is it is a changing time for retailers as well. We know it's a huge inflection point in that space. And they're not used to working with a client who comes to them and says, oh, you have to buy this pink dress in an entire size run. We'll say to a retailer, listen, you can pick out four different silhouettes, pick out We'll make, uh, you know, two in each silhouette and there you go. And I think at times that's difficult for them to deal with also. To wrap your head around, yeah. Right. And also because of our quick turnaround, you have an industry full of people that are used to making what I call that six to nine months in advance. And we come to them and say, listen, you don't need to pick out in February what coats you think you'll be selling in November. We're like, you can wait till August. And so at times, you know, when you are, as my husband likes to say, not on the leading edge, but the bleeding edge. Yeah. 
you know, you get bloody. So, you know, it takes time with, you know, when you got a new concept for the consumer and in this case, retailers that come around to working with us, I think most of them though, being able to make those bets, those decisions much closer to offering it to the consumer do eventually see that. It's a little less risky. Yeah. It's way less risky for them. And we're not requiring that they buy sizes two through 18. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm happy to say we offer, actually we offer up to size 24, but they don't have to commit to all of those when they know maybe their customer base is size 12s and 14s. Okay, just buy the 12 and the 14 and they're happy and and can spend money on other things. Not also, I mean, I've been to so many retail stores where I've seen them completely weighted down by their excess inventory and trying to climb back on top of that. Um, I mean, we're solving multiple problems with this solution. Um, another part of, you know, sort of what makes us unique and what makes us different is distribution. Um, you know, we have an online presence, but we're also, you know, we show up every now and then in some retailers, um, pop-up shops. We don't have a brick and mortar. We believe that retail, part of retail might be on its way out, um, that all this excess inventory is essentially killing business. Another thing that we're working on currently is building a network of stylists. You know, stylists are, you know, they're in their clients' closets already. You know, they know what they like. They know what looks good on them. They know what they feel comfortable in. So having this network of stylists that's working for us, that's already in the customer's closet and that can tell them and direct them to exactly what they want, we see little to no returns from right. that method. Definitely six. And, and the stylists know all the other accessories they own. So they're saying to their clients. They're able to match. Yeah, this it. dress goes with this scarf and yeah. these shoes and this jewelry. Or they'll buy a blazer from us and show the client how to wear it 10 different ways. And so it really becomes an investment piece, which reminds me of um, one of the styles we're working with has a website called investmentpiece.com that came out yesterday and was saying really great things about us. Because of our flexibility and not only sizing and coloring and silhouettes, it's just also easier than for the stylist. We feel a niche that they're not finding other places. And we do uh, compensate the stylist by offering them commission, but we feel like it's well worth it for the thing Liz mentioned, which is we have zero returns and happy customers. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. So you're really kind of working on several different avenues here to, in your own way, to revolutionize the industry through your through your own line because you have your line. You also are kind of experimenting with new new uh, work like workflow in the production process, and then also new ways of reaching your customer. That's just. Uh, like if you think about the logistics that go into each, and of course I know you guys are thinking about the logistics that go into each of those things, but my mind is just constant, like it, it's just blown because it, it, you really are having to redesign a system that previously has been right. designed for, if you're a designer, and, you do this, yeah. you design your pieces, you have them produced by somebody else. You sell them at, you know, you show them on Fashion Week and you sell them to a wholesaler and then yeah. they're in a store and it's, you know, and it's, it's 18 months of work to see if it was a hit or not. The other thing is there's a lot of middlemen in that process, which all of that drives the cost up. I feel like we're able to deliver to the consumer. We might be selling them a blazer that um, we only charge them $250 for a comparable piece that is in a retail setting would probably be three to four times that cost just because all of the layers of marketing and middlemen that, that go into that. So we feel like part of it were, it's classic pieces for the modern women 
I believe, at a very good value. But somehow, you know, we, we have had feedback from some industry experts that say to us, oh, you really need to charge more money yeah, because therefore people aren't high enough. will be perceived yeah. as of more value. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, our, our current customers are, are okay with the prices we're charging. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, that's really cool. Um, so how did you come to launch Amberleaf? What, let's go back to the beginning. What did that look like? Well, I feel like we have like multiple beginnings. <laughs> if, if anybody's um, had to pivot in business, um, you know, it's essentially the same company, but it's going in a completely new direction. Um, so there's Amberleaf when Amberleaf was initially created back in 2013. 13. Um, and then there's Amberleaf when Amberleaf really sort of took off and had a bigger presence in the United States. And then there's Amberleaf when I joined the team. Right. So um, it initially was started in China. Correct. China. Right. You, you yeah, I have a, I, we have a, a, a business associate that we've worked with for many years, but more on the technical end, who saw a need there and um, saw we were calling on Chinese-based companies that make clothing. And they were, we were seeing first-generation entrepreneurs go from like zero to 50 million in five years. So the thought was that model works in China, but what's missing is professional-looking women's clothing. Hmm. And so that's how he started in 2013. We came into the business in 2014 and actually bought it out. And, and in 2015, um, I guess you would say, I guess it was 2016, we really just kind of because of the changing economic issues in China became only that we manufacture offshore in China, we only distribute in the US. And I guess we really got to that position in early 2017. Okay. Yeah. But to Liz and Liz joined us over a year ago, you know, as entrepreneurs, you have to be able to pivot and respond to what you're finding out there. Yeah. The strength that we've always had is our own production capabilities yeah and really and, and I call them tailors the team that works for us on average are in their 40s and 50s they have over 20 years experience and if you look at the hand stitching of any of our coats for example the the, the quality screams at you and I really think that's our differentiator and um, we to the point that we've had other uh, clothing companies come to us and ask us to make their, their clothes and actually we're in a prototype phase right now with a designer uh, of Project Runway fame where she designs the clothes because those designers that had all that media exposure have a following but they they should they spend don't their, have access to the production no. right they should spend their time designing and then promoting their designs and they need a quality team like mine behind them producing so we're that's part of the pivot I don't see us abandoning our clothes, our, our design and our production itself. I just see it as a way of expanding Another our business. Yeah. Another opportunity for uh, revenue. There's something to be said for being vertically integrated, exactly. you know, and having that, having that ability that not many people have access to and something that we can definitely capitalize on as sort of, as sort of we grow, you know, and mm -hmm. expand um, where we are now. I think that, you know, also, in one of the ways that we pivoted um, with me joining the team is we realized that it wasn't just women. I love you, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just the women in the, um, you know, older generation. It wasn't just women old. in their 50s and better. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, it was just, um, you know, women who are my age, I'm in my late 20s. Uh, women who are my age were looking for classic clothing that they could wear to the office, that they could, you know, go to church in, that they could wear every day and be comfortable and still have the capability of, you know, customizing it in a certain way 
towards exactly the silhouette they were interested in. And it's the exact color and the exact fabric that they want. Right. So how many times have you walked in and like, oh, I really love this. I just wish it was in black or I wish it was yes. in purple or I wish it like the sleeve was slightly different yeah, or something. Or like, I don't want another cold shoulder dress, you yeah. know, like I want something that's classic that will last me, you know, I, that I can still wear 10 years from now. So it's well-made. Um, it looks great on my body and it's a trend that will never go out of style. And so by me joining the team, it really, it really allowed for, you know, to create some new silhouettes that appealed to not just your generation, right. but my generation as well, mm-hmm. so that we could really, you know, widen our audience, widen our customers. Well, and I think that that focus, the, the coming together of both of our ideas and making sure that the silhouettes we offer to the marketplace are ones that will work for Liz and work for me, mm-hmm. I think really says a lot. And I think, um, the quality of what we, the, the silhouettes, the quality of the design has improved because of that. Yeah. Because it really has to stand much stronger. Yeah. You have to really test the concept of the design. Right. So, okay. So t- take me through, walk me through. What is a typical day like working <laughs> with your mother and working with your daughter? And then oh, the, what are those design conversations like? I'm going to go with a good day. Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, so every day is not a good day. Well, you know, you are my mom. So, um, I would say that, um, you know, on our days, they range as far as what we're doing so much, because there is so much that we both do, you know, um, this past weekend, we had an event all weekend, which we were working, um, and that's, you know, moving inventory out and moving inventory in, in the beginning of the event. Um, and selling that inventory. So, you know, there's a lot that goes in, but I, I want to say that a typical day when we're meeting and we're discussing designs, this, I guess it was a, was it a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the new codes for yes. this, for this mm-hmm. winter? Um, so we meet at our office. Um, we go through all of the different designs, different codes that we felt inspired by that we've seen out either on celebrities or, you know, in the public somewhere or features of something. Cause yeah. we also go do, I mean, we go shop and, and look at feature, like yeah. part of it may just be inspired by construction. Like, wow, look how they did this reversible pocket. Cause big part of what we've done is created. We, we found some fabulous, um, double-sided cashmere that's two-tone. So whether yeah. it be for text, uh, Austin, I should say in particular, we've got a burn orange and a camel for the folks that are Texas tech fans. We've got black and, um, red. Um, but then, um, so we have a lot of reversible coats. We've got five or six silhouettes that do that. And so like earlier this year, I found a coat, you know, end of season and that had mastered that technique well. And so that would be something we would in yeah. incorporate in our future designs. So it might not, it might not be an overall silhouette. It might just be a feature, but combining what we think works and what the consumer is looking for is still classic, but is kind of future looking. Yeah. Um, so we come together and we talk about our inspirations and we're not copiers. I mean, we're not copying the design specifically, um, but we do take, you know, pieces of things that we feel inspired by. And then we talk about, you know, this five to six new designs that we have on the table. We prioritize each one based on what we both connect with most. So I think this fall we're coming out with this um, this vest, this cashmere vest that I designed, that's actually, it goes down to your knees, but it's a cashmere reversible vest. 
And I connected really strongly with this design and she did too. So that's number one on our priority list of finalizing fabrics that we're going to want to use specifically with this design. And then, um, and then going through talking with the production team, which makes the day even longer, which my mom can tell you because we're, um, we are talking with people, our production team, they only work for us, but they are offshore yeah. and they're on an opposite time schedule of us. So, so typically our conference calls with our production team are at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And so sometimes it's really hard to be on your game to one in the morning, but that's yeah. what's required, especially if at nine o'clock the next morning you have a client meeting or you're meeting with stylists or you're doing a photo shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and how often do you have to travel over? To I haven't factory? been to China um, in a few years. I used to actually go every quarter, but I think now We're that going I... next it, year, though. Yeah, we are going next year. But now that I... As we, I got more comfortable with the team, it's it, it just wasn't required to do to do that as much. And as you can imagine, it's very costly to travel all the way there. Yes. Now that we've got everything in place, we kind of... You have a workflow with the team. We, we, we have a workflow with the team. It's not... It's not required as much. Um, I think that when we do go over there, at least for me, when I think about things that we would do when we go over there is I know that the fabric industry there is crazy. So well, they would say that 80% to... of the world's fabric come out of China. And yeah. so there's huge textile markets and opportunities. But, um, you know, if there was a specific pattern that we really wanted to work with, um, that we can find access to that we felt really confident about. That would be some, you know, that sort of fabric and research. And also, our other, we have done some of our own um, fab, not, not our own fabrics, our own prints in the past and, and, and printed them. And to expand that offering is going to take us to go on site and look at the, well, I mean, right now we've done it more just scarves and stuff. So it's so small that we've been able to manage it well. But mm -hmm. if we're going into a uh, print for either lining of our coats, uh, dresses that's going to require more hands-on to execute that I think effectively cool yeah. so yeah so lots of cool changes kind of in the pipeline or yeah. things that you're just continually experimenting and, with and, and continue to, to and, and relationships with Dip and I know I mentioned to you before our relationships both with Girl Scouts um, actually across the country we participated in their national conference last year and we have a relationship with Girl Scouts USA of getting not only the our printed scarves in there but also our uh, clothing line of, of the bright they require all their adult volunteers and employees to wear navy blue and since our production model is you pick a silhouette we'll make it in any color you want we can easily make many many different things in Navy and blue. navy blue. So yeah. yeah, well, that's cool that that I think that really speaks to um, kind of the flexibility that you have to have as an entrepreneur in building your in, in actually getting to like point Z of what you want with your company. You're constantly like, okay, what are some of the opportunities that I can take advantage of with the assets that we have that right. help us leveraging build the assets that, that we have and, yeah. and monetizing that which we do really well. Yeah. Awesome. So how now has your life changed since you have been building Amberly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I see my mom a lot. <laughs> um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Um, no one told you. I mean, before I joined the Amberly team, I sort of had like a traditional you know, nine to five, nine to six, maybe work on the weekends every now and then. And I would do work at home, but it wasn't traveling here, there and everywhere. It wasn't the constant. No, never ending. no, no, no. Um, you know, no one told you that when you 
became an entrepreneur that you were never going to sleep again yeah. or you were never going to, you know, you were going to wake up at this time so you could finish this or travel here and drive through the night so that you can make this fashion show. I mean, you just don't, you didn't, you just didn't really think about it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's for me personally, it's, I mean, it's changed me for the better. I know that for sure. Um, because it's, I'm, I feel like the, what we're doing, the product that we're creating, I honestly wholeheartedly believe in, and I see it making a positive impact in the industry. I mean, there's whatever the industry is doing right now is not sustainable. I mean, we can't keep creating such massive waste and, you know, all of these, you see all these retailers going under, they're not capable of balancing right. all of this. Well, and we just, just not, saw, you know, Burberry getting, you know, finally the light shone on them for burning what, $38 million of product? And yeah. you know they're all burning yeah. like X million dollars yeah. of product. And I mean, it's, I was reading a statistic that said over 200 million pounds of clothes are thrown away by Americans alone yeah. a year. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's not a sustainable model. So we really, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that what we're doing is not only creating a product that women love, that women wear, but we're also helping the industry move in a more positive direction. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to stay out late and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and mingle and network with the, the appropriate people so that more people learn about our brand because I, I truly believe in it. Um, I know my husband's not as happy with me <laughs> being gone all the time, but, um, but yeah. And it's also, I mean, sort of on a base level strengthened my relationship with my mom for sure. You know, so that cool. gushy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, mom? Oh, well, it, I, I think it's a, a important and appropriate to have a purpose and a uh, driven life and um, to be ambitious. Sometimes I'm also really anxious. Uh, Liz already covered all the not sleeping, but I think that always going back to the core of um, what the brand is, um, what we believe about the brand, what um, our strengths are, and looking for ways to develop it and grow that. And I, I think as entrepreneurs, you can't ever get settled on this is the way things worked in the past. Therefore, this is the way it will always be because it's not. It's always I mean, changing. Yeah. Right. And, and and something that might have been a phenomenal opportunity for us in 2016 could totally peter out or not make sense anymore because it's not cost effective. And I mean, I think sometimes also people think that fashion is glamorous. I just want to say there is no glamour when you're schlepping 500 pounds of clothes here, you know, your yeah, samples yeah, yeah. here, there yeah. and everywhere. Yeah. There's no glamour. There's so much work that goes on behind, behind the, the scenes. scenes. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, it's not, I mean, it may look glamorous up like when, I mean, and it feels great when we see our clothes on the runway. Oh yeah. That's I know. awesome. But well, like, getting there, you guys always look amazing and oh, like put you. together. I mean, I'm like sitting here and I'm like, okay, I spend most of my life sitting behind my computer and in yoga pants because that's just where I am. But you guys are like schlepping the stuff while looking fantastic, well, which thank is you. like, we, we do we schlepping in yoga pants too, but not going in the dress. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think it's inspiring, though, to help women um, put dra drape themselves in something that makes them feel good about themselves and then go in front of, whether it's their day-to-day -day and audience, 
what, whatever it is and continue to feel good and confident about that self. And I'm really proud of the fact that that's part of what we do. I, I think that's awesome. We actually, we sold some dresses to a woman on Sunday and Sunday night she was at, at a political fundraiser on a stage and had her photo taken and she was wearing us. I was so, I'm so proud of that moment. And she looked so confident and good. And you can yeah. tell that she felt good too. Yeah. It so. was, and it was perfection. So, and there's something to be said for creating clothing that at least for us, I believe transcends time. You know, I mean, I'm the dress that I'm wearing right now. Like I feel confident that I could wear this dress five years from now. And I don't feel like I'm wearing yesterday's fashion. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's, you know, so well-made clothes that last 10 years, but also look like they're in style. Right. They can yeah. be from yeah. today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, checking off a lot of boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so what is um what is your vision? What is your vision for the future of the company? Well, we think that I mean we are online, but not just solely online. I mean, one of the challenges in in you know selling clothing is it's really a tactical sale, and the challenge with selling just online is the return rate's about 30%, and that's really tough on any company and any entity and drives the prices up for all the consumers. it's hard to manage. And manage all those logistics. So we feel like part of our sale is a mix of, you know, on and offline where someone gets to try and and try it on and feel the fabric and look at the colors because also colors aren't always clearly represented for fabrics um, online. And so we see the vision down the road is whether it be pop-up try-on shops or permanent we do have some retailers that do what I call a store within a store where we are giving them, you know, a, a, a variety of silhouettes of coats in a variety of sizes. And, and so their cons- customers can come in and pick and choose what they want. But because our turnaround time is so quick, it's easy for them to sell someone a coat in October. And by the time it gets chilly three weeks later, they've got the coat in their closet already. And so we, we see that's the vision of either pop-on try, pop-up try-on stores or permanent or the, the store just within the, the collaborations store. with the independent right. retailers. Right. But, but yeah. that where the consumer has a chance to touch and feel and try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've also been toying with the idea of having something that's semi-permanent. Um, we weren't thinking full-time, but having a location where right. um, the customers know that we'll be there Thursday through Saturday and, Mm -hmm. you know, Thursday and Friday is by appointment only. And then Saturday, anybody can come in, but, um, I've just every week, same time so that the the customer really knows that if they're interested in us and they, they want to come see our new designs, that they have a place that they can always go to, to find us. So I know we've been toying with that idea of possibly having sort of like a pop-up shop, but you know, like three days a week, the same three days a week, right? The same location. And it's interesting because we're a multi-generational business and we serve multi-generational people's approach to shopping is vastly different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think younger folks are more comfortable with buying something online. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think as you get older, if you grew up always going to the store or the mall, that's an experience for you, right? With your family, that's just the way you're trained to do things. And so I think in order to reach all of our consumers, we, have to have multiple and alternate distribution strategies yeah yeah absolutely so yeah I know I totally I buy like everything online so Mm -hmm. and then it's but I do I send back what I don't need like I buy a lot and then but you know what also one thing we've noticed is that um the the women who are buying online who are in your generation Mm -hmm. they've purchased from us in person before so they know exactly what their size is they've seen all the fabrics the colors 
They, you know, they know which silhouettes they're interested in. So every time we release a new design that's got a similar silhouette to something they previously own, they just go online and purchase yeah, I mean, it. But they need that first experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The it. first touch. Yeah. yeah, right. I think the first time is a touch, and after that, I think online because those online sales stick. Yeah, yeah. They're not returning at all. Awesome. So what what about what have you learned about running your business that has surprised you? So for me, it's like finding out something that I didn't realize that I would actually like doing. And I'm like, oh, I actually really enjoy doing that. I have positives and negatives. <laughs> I think the best for me when it comes to what we've done with Amberleaf is when I have a, a client, a customer um, put something on and just feel good and confident about what she's wearing. I have seen women where I have put them in something and I feel like they grew two inches. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the best and most exciting. And I gotta say, I wouldn't have anticipated in advance that those interactions face-to-face -face would have been the high point. That maybe the more creative, the design, et cetera, like Lizzie said, the runways would have been the more exciting, but really that's not it. It's me and one woman, one-on-one, -on -one, she puts something on and I feel grows in her confidence and, and self-esteem, and that is the best. Right. So you guys are really designing something for, like, real people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that I, that reminds me of a – I'll go positive um, – <laughs> um, experience that I had with a woman who I um, – we were at the Texas Conference for Women, and mm -hmm. we had a booth while we were there, and we met – thousands of women. I mean, there were so many awesome. people there and, um, but it wasn't just necessarily about selling. I mean, we were connecting with other women who were there on another level as well. And there was one woman that I connected with and she called me two days later and she ended up buying, um, she was like, I saw this one coat. I saw you try it on. You looked amazing. We really connected. I really like you. Can we like you know, hang out on a friendly level. Can we go get a cup of coffee? And I really like this coat. And she ended up purchasing this, I think you've seen it, the floor length fuchsia cashmere hooded coat. Mm -hmm. um, which I love is, that coat. Which yeah. is actually, yeah. um, I think it's the most expensive item on our, so it's just, it's just interesting. You know, women are, it's just interesting. Women are just interesting that, that, that this connection that I made at the Texas conference for women, she would then contact me later and then purchase this coat, you know, two weeks later that she couldn't stop thinking about, yeah. but she felt like she could do it because she liked us, you yeah. know? I mean, I don't know. It's just, you it, like that connection. Point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. I just, I guess I didn't realize. And then once we make that connection and women start buying our stuff, they always come back, which is so cool that, you know, it's not like, I don't know. It's, that they really like the clothes. I don't right. know. Okay, so so real quick before we sign off, where can people find you? Yes. Uh, well, online at www.amberleaf.com. Um, Lizzie um, is in charge of our of our social media and our social media Instagram address. Oh, Instagram handle is at chic and amberleaf. And um, Facebook, if you go to Amberleaf Clothing, um, I think that's our... And then a local retailer that we're so proud to associate with is called Altitudes. And she's located, um, I believe, at 1717 East 12th Street. But Altitudes carries the Amberleaf line so, here in Austin. Austin. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, to our Thank you for listening to our Founders of Fashion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to this channel and click that notification bell for new episode alerts. 
Founders of Fashion is produced by Mariah Gossett and myself. Audio and video production by Jake Wallace. And also a huge thank you to the rest of the team at Founding Media who make this podcast possible. I'm your host, Jennifer Millspa. To learn more about my work at the intersection of fashion, internationalization, and entrepreneurship, visit aesthetic.ventures.